Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Since its inception, Jennifer has interviewed many prominent women in the industry to help turn ideas to action and grow a network that can help build a better future for women. Women remain the driving force behind this growth, but male allies can play a critical role in helping to bring about these changes. That is why Jennifer has launched Mentors That Make a Difference, a spinoff series that allows men to speak on their experiences and share how they are helping drive social change to close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. We hope this new segment will continue to inspire change and encourage growth of women in the industry. Listen in as these collaborative stories start right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Vince Menzion. Vince is an award-winning business leader who has delivered and advanced four successful business transformations by embracing disruptive technology and building successful partnerships to transform organizations. Vince has distilled 30 years of experience to a set of proven principles and founded Ultimate Partnerships to guide technology organizations towards maximizing their business results by applying these proven principles and framework to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver results. Vince holds the successful Ultimate Guide to Partnering podcast, where he spotlights leadership and partnership principles to help technology organizations thrive and survive during this age of rapid transformation. Welcome to the show, Vince. I'm so excited to have you on the show and to introduce you as my first mentor that makes a difference. Um, I remember in one of our conversations, you gave me this idea and I just loved, loved, loved it. So thank you for being an ally for women in technology. Uh, Let's get started. I am so excited to be here, Jennifer, and uh, so excited to be on the other side of the table, I guess. You know, (laughs) you were just on our show just a couple weeks ago on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Thank you so much for offering me the opportunity to be here and to be a mentor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm so excited. I am very passionate, as you know, about this topic as well. Mm -hmm. So let's get going. Great. Thanks again. So tell us a little bit about you. So, uh, Vince Menzion, um, I describe my career as four successful business transformations. And I started off, you know, I started off in sales. I got a degree in marketing and then wound up in the sales world and uh, had a very quick path, did a startup, did a turnaround, was a general manager at Microsoft running the partner business for almost 10 years, and then was a channel chief. And then started a podcast. So four successful business transformations. I have a wonderful wife, two beautiful children. I've been totally amazingly blessed in my life. And uh, that's a little bit about me. That's great. Well, as you know, this podcast is focused on bridging employment, pay and culture gap for women in technology. You know, I, you know, I'm very passionate about trying to bring more women into technology and getting them equity. Um, So what are you seeing in the industry today? Well, in you and I have had some of this conversation. It seems to be a a topic in many of my podcast interviews. As you know, many of the people that come to my podcast are women entrepreneurs and executives in various companies, particularly Microsoft and others. 
And we're continuing to see women leave the workforce, right? The pandemic mm -hmm. had such a negative impact. We were seeing, we were seeing, we had a gender gap to begin with. We've seen a drop in the number of women in tech over the last several years. And this past year and a half has just created, it's, it's almost decimated uh, the number of women that have left the workforce because they've needed to take care of, uh, you know, address uh, education issues at home. Uh, just the the work the whole work from home environment has not been quite what it was before, and you know we have we we need to solve for this gap. We're also you know we're seeing some things. We're going to talk about this a little bit where the trends are going, but now that we're returning or some organizations are returning to work, I believe we're going to see another uh, round of issues. I would say people opting out of the workforce or opting out of a you know work environment that doesn't support their needs both you know their home needs as well as their business and where they where they expect to take their career in life that's so true you know the pandemic really had a big effect on women and i think i saw one stat that said 1.4 million women left the workforce due to the pandemic due to all the burdens of you know homeschooling and and just taking care of everything that they need to it just was not working for them and that that just you know got my heart because it takes so much work to get them into this field we don't want them leaving yeah, and and think about this, right? And I, I interviewed one of my my next guest uh, mm -hmm. is someone who has a child with autism, mm -hmm. and just the ability. You know, we're not trained, right? We're not trained. We're not professionals that are trained in how to address those learning needs, and yet we were all put into this position where, or those of us that had children at home were put into this position where they had to address things themselves. They weren't they weren't trained professionals in doing that. Yeah. Just created an am amazing amount of stress. Um, in our lives and people's lives. Yeah. So, you know, we just have to work hard to get them back into the workforce. That's that's our goal. Um, absolutely. So, you know, you gave me this idea, which I absolutely loved. And this was we were talking about an IMCP meeting um, a while ago. And I told you about my podcast and you said, well, can I be a guest? And I said, no, you're not a woman. I only have women as, as guests. And you said, <laughs> well, I can be an ally. And I thought, yes, you can. I love that. And we need men to support women to grow you know, our reach and grow our presence in the technology industry. So I took that really to heart and I said, this is amazing. We have to do it. So you are my first guest on the mentors that make a difference because I know you do work every day in this area to help uh, support women to equity. So what are some qualities in an ally that we should look for as we build allyship? Because, you know, I'm going to grow this and what are some of the qualities we need to find um, in allies that support to get us equity? And how can that ally support us? I think an ally needs to be convicted and passionate about this. And, have it be, and they need it needs to be part of their just cause. I, you know, I'm reminded of being in the room in Microsoft with a bunch of white males and mm -hmm. uh, the HR person at the time said, you know, we're starting up a diversity initiative. We need somebody to volunteer. And nobody raised their hand. Mm -hmm. Nobody raised their hand. I raised my hand mm -hmm. and I started, I was this way back before, you know, DEI was a, was really big and bold in organizations and started working on diversity within the organization. I learned a lot, by the way, there were a lot of things I didn't understand. I didn't know, I didn't know my own 
white privilege. I didn't know about mm -hmm. mansplaining. And I learned a lot through that process. And then when, when Microsoft started having, you know, at the partner conferences, we started having the women's luncheon. And I started going to them. In fact, I was, I, I might've been the first one in the room the first time, you know, and people were going, you're going to the, you're going to the women's luncheon. What, what, what do you mean? That's for women. That's for the women. I said, you know, I have 70% of my team was, were women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wanted to support my people and my team. Mm -hmm. And so I started going and, it, you know, it helped me understand more. And, you know, you grew up, I grew up, we grew up in a certain time period and you know that wasn't necessarily clear like you know there was there were certain roles or you know we didn't have we didn't have the term misogyny back then but we had certain roles and i wanted to be a force i wanted i want to help i have i have a strong i had a strong mother who went back to work had to go back to work from a practical perspective my father had lost his business and I think that deep down inside of me, there's always been this, I'll call it maybe like an empathy around <laughs> understanding like how difficult it can be, how hard it can be. But, you know, we need to have equity in what we do. I've always been a believer in that. And equity in the workplace is something that we still haven't achieved to the level we need to. And I want to help be a, a, a voice. And I think that there are a lot of us that first of all, if you have that conviction, if you believe like I do, you need to step up. Like you need to be bold, you need to speak up, and you need to be an ally, and you need to help and mentor others on that journey. Yeah, I love that. And you know, be that voice that challenges. Right? We need to make sure that if we're in a room and there's no diversity, we call that out and we make sure that people are thinking about those things because sometimes it's unintentional, but we really need to bring that voice to the table. Um, you know, um, equity is so important and it's important for pay and culture for women, but also this pandemic really taught me about equity in tech and technology. You know, we're so spoiled and privileged to get up and get to our computer and we have internet access. And through the pandemic, there were many, many families that did not have internet access. And there were some homeless people that were on the news that would go take a computer over to like a Starbucks so that they could have their children learn because that was the only way they could get uh, online access. And then there were many adults, um, seniors, that couldn't get their vaccinations because they didn't have online access. Mm. So it really got me thinking about, you know, just tech equity in general, how important that is and how privileged we are and we don't even think about it. There's so many people without that access. Well, that that level of equity is you know, is big and bold areas there as well. And I I've been a I've been a voice I've been part of Voices for Innovation, Microsoft Voices mm -hmm. for Innovation for quite some time. Been in an advisory capacity, and we've been talking about. You mentioned access uh, to technology. A there's the economic access to the PCs, and then also in certain parts of the country there's not broadband access. Right, mm -hmm. so 20 million right. Americans don't have high speed broadband. And these kids are having to be shuttled to the parking lot of McDonald's so they can mm -hmm. do their homework assignment, you know? So yeah, that's, that's a huge gap. And then certainly, you know, on the equity side for women having a seat at the table, you know, one of the things I wanted to share with you, you know, you're a, a woman CEO that's been on the podcast. I've now interviewed two other women CEOs and there are not that many of you, right? Mm -hmm. And there should Thank be more. You. 
there should be more. And one of the challenges is around like there's a huge amount of capital on the table and there need to be more women CEOs in those seats. And we need to we we need as a culture, as a business, as the technology industry to stand up here because there are some, some amazing talent that but they're not in those seats because they don't look like Bob and John, you know, uh-huh. the, the guys who are the the people that are running the private equity firm, which is also a very much a white male dominated, you know, environment. And, you know, um, venture capital is very, very slim and far between for women, you know. Um, so it's like one or two percent of women receive, um, you know, funding from VCs. And um, it's it's an area that we really have to grow. And because women entrepreneurs, it's shown that, you know, they are very successful. Um, they take their business and their bottom line to really amazing levels and so there's proof if you look at the numbers about women entrepreneurs there's a lot of very very successful businesses that come from that so we need to really grow more entrepreneurs you know you can't be what you don't see Mm -hmm. and one of the things i hope that the podcast is is an opportunity to lift up and you know, show a Jennifer and show some of these other women executives that are amazing leaders. And so that the rest of the world can see them and other women can see them. And I'd love to, you know, for other men to see you supporting women in technology so that that becomes just a norm, normal um, course of business, you know, be that ally, be that voice for somebody else at the table. So I think those things will all make the changes that we need. Well, there are a lot of podcasts out there. So those of us who are, those who are listening that have their own podcast, I challenge you, you know, yeah. take yeah. a, take a look at your roster. Like I did this at one point, I looked, mm-hmm. looked at my roster. I brought back, you know, I did the podcast for two years. I put it on hold for a while. Mm -hmm. I came back again. And when I came back, we were in the midst of COVID and the world was on fire. And I looked at my roster and I said, you know what? There's not enough representation here. I need to take a look at, I need to make sure that I am spotlighting great talent of all types. And uh, I've been a little bit more deliberate maybe than most in doing that. And that's good. That's really good. Being deliberate and that awareness is half the battle because then you go out and you find that talent that, you know, gives you more perspectives, more culture, more different type of thinking that just helps you grow and flourish. And I, I am so touched. I have to tell you the podcast gives me great joy. I mm. am so touched when I have a chance to interview someone and hear their story and hear, I hear the grit. I hear the determination. I, I, you know, am getting a sense for what they had to overcome in their lives and their career to get to this spot. And I just think they're such great stories. I really do. Yeah, no, that's great. So um, I'd love to hear your perspective. I do as much as I can on a daily basis to grow the tech industry, bringing in more women, girls, and people of color. One of the things that I've really focused on just in our training um, where we did our cloud power program um, to really say, you know, set a deliberate goal of how many people of color that we want to have in the program because there's definitely a lack uh, of people of color in our ecosystem. So what else can we be doing to continue to grow this industry and bring in more women, girls, and people of color? 
Well, we as leaders have an opportunity and perhaps an obligation to lead at this time. And, you know, I'm not a hiring manager today, but if I were, and I've been in the past, I would have to take a good hard look at the, the seats at the table currently and say, am I, do I have the representation that I need for my customer base? Do I have a diverse set of voices at the table so that I can make the most informed decisions and have the most clarity around my business? And I think we have to be bold. I think we have to exhibit courage, clarity, and inclusion. And we need to teach that within our organizations. And like the same, to the same point that I mentioned about the podcast, we need to be much more deliberate in what we do and how we get those people into our organizations. And sometimes it's harder because we come in with a set of, you know, preconceived, uh, uh, we, we are prejudge, we prejudge people based on a set of experiences. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily see past that sometimes, right? And I think that's something. So I think we need to do a better job within organizations of training that and and working on people having a better understanding of their own their own fa- failures or weaknesses when it comes to the way they view and perceive others, I guess is what the way I totally I agree. I think you hit it right on the head because, It really needs to be that we are deliberate. And like you said, we all have unconscious biases and those um, unconscious biases are really unconscious. So really digging deep and understanding what they are. They come from, you know, where we grew up, where we went to school, who we hung out with, what our parents taught us. All of those things are everybody has them. So really inspecting that and having an open mind to say, how else can I think about this? You know, is it yep. is it the right way to think about it? So that's that's really great. Well, let's move into partnering, a passion ah, that we love both partners. share. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've I've been through many organizations, and I really believe in partnering so strongly because that's where. Uh, you can grow your business. You can create relationships that are long lasting. It's mutually beneficial. I love partnering. So tell us why partnerships matter. Well, you know, as the host of Ultimate Guide to Partnering, this is going to be pretty easy. But I, this is what I will say. The, you know, we have seen seven years of transformation in the last year. Tech is at the center of everything at this point, right? We've We've all experienced these last 18 months. And tech has driven the transformation. Almost every organization has become a tech organization in one way or another now. So tech is at the center. And I believe, I'm convicted that partners are the key accelerant to that acceleration. And if it wasn't for, we can't do, one organization can't do it by themselves. Uh, I just had, I just interviewed the vice president for Microsoft Consulting Services, which always had the, you always had the impression of Microsoft Consulting Services as the factory shop and taking business away from partners. Mm-hmm. And they're emphatic, like we need partners. We cannot be successful without partners. So partnering is important. It is a key accelerant, but organizations struggle here. I have found I've been on both sides of the table. I've been in the Microsoft seat. I've been in the channel chief seat and organizations struggle with partnering and really getting it right. And I believe, you know, there's a core set of principles around them and it takes time. It's, it's sort of a trained behavior, a learned behavior to get it right and to keep it right. Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. 
That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. I agree. I agree. And, and you know, it's not just ad hoc. You know, you just jump in, you say, oh, I want a partner, and you go looking for one. Like you said, it has to be strategic. There's a core set of principles that, you know, you teach your partners that really can make a difference because partnering can make a company so successful. It, you know, extends your feet on the street, basically. If if I have 10 salespeople and you have 10 salespeople and we work together, now we have 20, you know, it just really grows your reach. It grows your business. So I, I just, I really, you know, believe in partnering. So what are some of the principles that you found that are successful in partnering? So I've, you know, spent, I feel like the podcast is my laboratory and then the work that I do with organizations, you know, both having sat in those two seats I discussed, but then the work that I do both in workshops that I do workshops for Microsoft. And then I also consult directly with organizations is that there are a set of principles around what makes successful partnerships and why organizations fail when they don't get it right. And it starts off, believe it or not, with mindset. Like I think mindset is at the core. It's mindset matters and getting your mindset right, getting the mindset between the partnership correct is important. And it's a key uh, sort of uh, launching point from. And then we follow up with, you know, we need to have shared alignment, shared vision, shared values, and then an operating model for success. And then ensuring that we've got all of our components that that we have commitment within both sets of organizations. Like it's not just happy talk. We really do believe and we're convicted that we're going to go do this together. And that's followed up by, okay, we've had the conversations now. We now need to apply maniacal focus to get it right. And Mm -hmm. maniacal focus means that we are having that we have a consistent dialogue and conversation. And we're talking about, we're developing a framework and we're talking about what's working, what's not working. And we're uh, we're adjusting and aligning to get it right, and we're and we're measuring the results and the milestones in a, an effective manner. And then we we must measure and drive those results, get getting the results right. I also find that organizations struggle with their own branding. Like, mm. um, you know, you see this a lot in like, for instance, in the Microsoft ecosystem. Organizations come to Microsoft expecting a set of results, and they they expect a lot without having to do a lot. And you have to be really deliberate in building your brand and your engagement. And some organizations just do that other better than others. And it's it's an area where a lot of organizations need work. And then the last set of principles are around agility. Like you need to be able to, that whole conversation about what's working, what's not, and that framework, at the end of the day, you need to be able to pivot when you need to. And you need to be able to recognize that things aren't necessarily going in the right direction. Maybe it's time to lock un- unlock arms. Or maybe we need to invest in a specific area that we weren't invested in. We need to make changes in our strategy and our approach to market. And so agility is also an amazing factor in terms of getting it right. So, you know, these are, these are core principles. 
I teach and I work, I work with organizations to help them get it right. I love that because it's not just, you know, top of mind. These are all things that have to align in your vision, your values, your commitment, like you said. And then you have to adjust and tweak as you go along. My my big things are you have to like who you're working with because if you don't like them, you can't yeah. solve problems and you have to trust them as well because um you know, when you're in a customer situation, you never want to point fingers at each other. You just want to get it corrected, fix the problem and don't worry yep. whose whose fault it was. You know, you can always fix that later. Um, well, I, I, I always say right. that trust is at the actually is implied in every single one of the areas. Yeah. Right? It, it is yeah. it is core to everything. It's at the, like if we had to draw a line between them, that trust would be in foundational to that. And of course, you have to like the well, you right. at least have to respect. Maybe like is right. good. Yeah. But yeah. Now, how do you build trust? Because I, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about, you know, okay, I met this person. I think they would be a good partner for me. But I don't know. I, I don't know them. How do I build trust? Boy, that's a really good question. Um, trust, you know, we, we, we trust at different levels, right? We, 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 we generally intuitively know in our core because our, our DNA um, our reptilian brain will tell us very early on if we believe a person to be trustworthy or not. So that's, a, that's, that's, that's part number, part number one. Part two is trust is earned, right? Trust is mm -hmm. earned through action, through intention and action and, um, manifested through the, over time. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's, I always, I love, uh, Dr. Stephen Covey's work and the seven habits of highly, six, mm -hmm. uh, highly, yeah. The seven habits of successful. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. The seven habits of highly su successful people, and he talks about the emotional bank account. That's always one of that's one of the principles there. And you build up an emotional bank account. Like we build up an emotional bank account with each other, and we we we're allowed to make certain with, withdrawals. But if we make more withdrawals than we put deposits, trust gets eroded over time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's always been a kind of a key principle for me and how I think about personal and business relationships. That's funny you said that because I have taught our kids uh, about that from a you know marriage standpoint. It's like it's a give and take. You have to have deposits. You have to make deposits into the bank account. Then you have some to withdraw. If you don't, if you never give, you don't have anything to withdraw. So you have to learn that give and take in a relationship and in, in a marriage. <laughs> so that's do, funny. Do you remember said. the yeah, I love that. And do do you remember the parable of the golden goose? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so actually, that's one of the principles that I I actually have a golden goose and a golden egg here in my office that was given oh, to wow. me. I went through cubby training many years ago. Yeah. And the principle is that you know we want to get to the golden egg right away. So the golden goose would lay an egg every once in a while, mm -hmm. and the I remember exactly how the parable went. But whoever that individual was got greedy. And they mm -hmm. decided to cut the golden goose in half and they didn't find any golden eggs and they killed the goose. <laughs> and we, we can't kill, you know, that's what happens sometimes in business. And right? um, so that parable sticks with me pretty, pretty well. That's great. That's a great, great parable. Um, okay. So let's talk about leadership next. You know, um, yeah, you need wow. to be a leader <laughs> in today's world, whether it doesn't matter what job title you have everybody needs to step up and be a leader. So what does it take to be a good leader? And then what can leaders do to 
kick it up a notch, you know, to step up their game. Such a good and important topic. What a great question. I, you know, I mentioned earlier, I, I believe that we in the tech sector have both an opportunity and an obligation to lead at this time. And it doesn't matter what your title is. Like mm -hmm. all of us need to recognize that opportunity to, and, and leadership could be helping one person along on the journey. Leadership might be self-leadership, but leadership might be a big organization or setting, you know, a, a bold course. So I think about this in terms of A, what do we do as leaders? We need to we need to each elevate our voices. We need to understand that we have this opportunity and obligation. We need to act as bold inspirations to those in our circle. Mm -hmm. And we need to set a path forward. Like there's huge opportunity. What you're doing right now, this is such a great example. I mean, Jennifer, I'm, I, I am so impressed and admire the work that you have done. And, you know, you basically put a stake in the ground and said, I need to go solve for this. Nobody else is solving for this. I'm going to, I'm going to teach. I'm going to offer my training up. I'm going to do a podcast. I believe this world could be a better place if we were all doing this. That's mm -hmm. what a leader does. They elevate their voice. They then chart a course. Like they need to, especially leaders of businesses. I love Satya's work and what he has done, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of Microsoft, he he exemplifies what great leadership is to me. Mm -hmm. uh, leading with transparency, having empathy, intimacy with key constituents. Like he's done that within his organization. I think charting that course, and then you know we come back to like this servant leader mindset, mm -hmm. which says that you offer more value and certainty to your world, your constituents, your customers, your partners, your employees, that you offer more value and you take that role of servant leader as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, some, some of the leadership styles we've, we've all seen. That's great. Great, great, great thoughts on that. You know, um, I had to step up my empathy level during the pandemic because, you know, employees were, you know, faced with so many different situations. They didn't have childcare. They had to, you know, juggle homeschooling with work. And there was just so many things that came up on a daily basis. And I really learned to have just more empathy because, you know, in, in the normal course of life, you just have, you know, you're kind of like, I'm running a tight ship. We're working. We got to get these things done, you know, and you don't have a lot of wiggle room, but during the pandemic, I really learned to step up my game with empathy. Yeah, you know, when I was a people manager, I was probably an area I probably could have used improvement on as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's just, you know, because I hold myself to such high standards, it was like just the norm, you know, in our organization that you just do what you need to do, get the job done, you know, you work till you get it done. And then when the pandemic hits, you know, there's just, you don't know what hit you all sides, you know? And yeah. so I had to, had to learn that, you know, it's like, I always had empathy, but not to the level that I was able to grow it during the pandemic. So I felt like that was a really good lesson learned. I think we all, we all learned, you know, we all, we were all much, we we're all much more accommodating right now because we've all worked from home and when right. the dog barks right. or, or the, you know, the Johnny or Sally comes in the room with the right. homework or, mm -hmm. you know, come, all of a sudden the face comes on the screen and, you know, I don't know, five years ago, we wouldn't have, like, would that would have been intolerable, right. right? We right. wouldn't have tolerated exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So let's move to some 
personal questions. <laughs> I love so it. So what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? I mean, you found out later, yeah. but you had wished like, oh, if I knew this 10 years ago, I would be able to either be further along or just I would not have had as many falls as successes. I don't know. That is such a good question. I've never heard this question before. I had to think really hard on this one. I have to tell you, I think for me, I wish that I had learned to be more patient in okay. my career. I was a kind of headstrong. I was a top sales executive. I you know, grew from carrying a bag and was a top salesperson for many years and then a top sales leader. And I was always raring and going and wanting that next thing and going for that next brass ring or gold ring or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think sometimes if I had practiced patience a little bit more along the journey that, you know, uh, it would think things would have gone quickly, more quickly or easily, believe it or not, like time. Mm -hmm. I didn't let time work the way it should have. Yeah. And I think in a different way, I learned that too, where, um, I've, I've learned over the years not to react as quickly um, because sometimes just processing something or um, just giving it time, it changes the whole outcome. And I've learned that over the years, whereas in my younger days, I would be very reactive, you know, and I'm very uh, emotionally connected to whatever it is and I get excited about something and I want everybody to get excited with me whether you're a processing mind or not and I've learned over the years that not everybody thinks the same way give it time to settle in yeah. and yeah be more patient that's great so who are three people you've been who have been really the most influential to you wow this is another great question I <laughs> I had I had like nine so um I so pick the top three. <laughs> I well, what I what I decided to do is give you one personally, okay. one in business, and one that I've admired and looked up to. And That's I think, great. and they're you know three different realms, right? So the first personally is my mom. I mm -hmm. lost I lost my mom about six months ago to yeah, COVID. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah. And I was thinking about this actually because I was thinking about why I'm so convicted about women in business and mm -hmm. having empathy and passion. It really comes back to my mom. And I recall being a very young child and her having to go back to work and that experience. And, and you know, the time I had with her was so precious when she would have her day off or whatever. Or I'd come to visit her at work and I saw how much, how hard she worked. And I've, I've had a lot of empathy. I always have had a lot of empathy for women in business because I've understood from that side mm -hmm. how difficult and challenging it was for my mom. And so, and she has, was a b big, bold, bright light in my life. I mean, people That's that know great. Rosie, everybody, people, it's funny because people that, there are so many people that have never met Rosie, but they got to know her through Facebook and Instagram because she was all over my pages and she lived to be 93. I was very blessed to have her a long time. That's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I was role model. Yeah. So she was great. And that, I think that role model, she, there's a lot of things that she instilled in me too. And you know, in terms of business ethics and, you know, hard work and all those other things, right? So all the success factors I got from mom. And so on the business side, I had to think back because there were several leaders in business that have mm -hmm. played an instrumental role. But one that really, for me, more from the personal side than the professional side was 
he was the founder of that startup I was talking about. The mm-hmm. company was called Technologics of Science, and it became part of Motorola Technologies. And, you know, he took that company from, you know, very small number, 6 million to about 150 million, went public on the Toronto Exchange. Wow. He did. He did things that, you know, he was, he was an awkward leader. Like, you know, if he, I took him to see customers because, you know, I'd want to take him on a tour and we close big business together, mm-hmm. but he wasn't that like, he wasn't like Satya Nadella by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination, but he had, he was such a caring and empathetic and it was empath- empathetic before empathy was a thing. And when the company was getting ready to go public, he wanted, he made sure that everyone in the organization, every employee from the, on the factory floor, for the receptionist, everyone got stock. Everybody had the opportunity to participate in the success of the company. And our receptionist sent her kids to college. I mean, there was, it was a great success story. The company went public. Mm -hmm. It's really successful. He retired right after the, a a period of time after that, but he just set a great example and he was a good and kind human being. And, you know, I made it, I made it a point, I've made it a point to go visit him and spend time with him up in Toronto and, you know, just an amazing person. That's great. Uh, That's great. As much as a business leader. And I've had some others that have been amazing. And then person in the world, in the domain, I have always been struck by Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get a little, I get a little emotional here sometimes, yeah. but I, yeah. um, you know, that I have a dream speech. I have, I think in my core, I've always felt that we need to be better as a people and as a society. And maybe this is what drives a lot of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that speech has always meant a lot to me. Um, I grew up white in white privilege. I was also in, I grew up in a time when we weren't, you know, our cultures were different and people were different and, you know, n- terrible things were said at the dinner mm-hmm. table even. Mm-hmm. And I learned, I, and I learned that that wasn't right. For me, the, I have a dream speech. It, mm-hmm. it hits me right in the heart. It hits me in the heart. It hits me at the, at the core. And, you know, I love Simon Sinek as well. And Simon Sinek explains it, right? Because he got the why. He got the why. He was such a great communicator. And, you know, so many people took action. We still have so much more to do in our society and in our world. But to me, that has always, that has resonated. And maybe in some respects, I've hoped to emulate some of what he said in some of the work that I do. I've always been a huge admirer of of his work and what he did and how he he knew and sacrificed his life for his just cause. Right. So that to me is amazing. And so those, those are three really great representations. I believe there are so many others. If we were to, you know, if we had all the, all day, I could probably list about 10. uh, I love the three that you picked though, because they're so powerful and, what great messages, you know, that come from each of them to help us learn and grow. So I love, love, love that. So great job. Um, So in closing, what advice would you give to a woman who's considering a career in the tech industry? And, you know, um, she might not even have a tech background or not know much about the tech industry. What would you say? So, you don't have to be a tech, you don't have to be a programmer to be in the tech industry. There are amazing opportunities for women of talent, of other talents, people of other talents that they can bring to this community and bring yourself to the table. Uh, 
tech is driving the future of the world. Why wouldn't you want to get on board? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just be bold and don't be afraid and just go do it. I love it. Yep. Just get that confidence, be bold and don't be afraid because every woman started somewhere and there's very, very successful women in tech today. So there are role models that you can look up to. Um, So Vince, this was so amazing. I always love chatting with you. I could chat with you all day. Um, Same here, Jennifer. Thank you. (laughs) And so if you could share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you. Absolutely. Well, a great place to reach me is on LinkedIn. I'm there quite often and I post every week. So it's uh, I'm at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And my email address is vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. Awesome. Well, you also should share your podcast. What is the name of your podcast? Absolutely. How could I forget that? Yeah. So listeners should should be connecting with you there. Absolutely. So connect with me on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You can get Ultimate Guide to Partnering anywhere where you get podcasts. You know, we're featured on Spotify, Apple, Google, Audible, and other platforms. And we are a top, actually this week we're rated, uh, we're ranked 152 today. On Apple Tech Business Podcasts. So we are a top tech podcast. And we're having so many amazing guests, including you. And we have such a great lineup coming up the rest of the summer, including Dr. Michael Gervais and other amazing leaders to come tell their stories and help inform our world. Yes. So listeners, please take time to listen to The Ultimate Guide to Partnerships because it's a great podcast. And I'm looking forward to hearing... Uh, your future guest as well. I tune in regularly. So thank you again, Vince. This was a pleasure and an honor to have you. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.